0: AM and FM, New York. In the air, they he 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 fly so high, nearly reach the sky. And like my dreams, of the wonders of electronics are about to be visited upon you, like the plagues of your fathers. I'm a knockin', yes, I'm a knockin'. <laughs> oh uh, it 's all it 's all freddy funny here here to uh, sing you to sleep or perhaps to accompany your sleep on into that dream that existence beyond the edge of the firelight <laughs> i'm forever blowing bubbles oh pretty bubbles in the air you ever thought just how many people in this world uh, whose neck you'd like to break. I mean, if nobody knew, just like a pipe stem, just like that. Just think, seventeen well-aimed lightning bolts could clear up so many problems. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Always with a love that's true. Always. Yeah. Um uh, oh uh, I say, uh uh as long as you're up get me a grants, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, sometimes, oh, stop it now, it hurts. <laughs> well, I, I, if I run around the block a couple of times, I may work out the kinks. <laughs> oh, that's not... <laughs> Well, it's the end of the week, you know. You arrived at the end of another one. Still. (laughs) Well, tomorrow's going to be all right. It'll be Saturday. And everybody will be nervous. And things will work out, I guess. It's the pie in the face. You've seen the latest one? As long as you're up, get me a Grants. And you'll notice that. Chucky in that picture is wearing the new stretch pants. And not only is he wearing the new stretch pants, he's wearing the new stretch pants with the little stirrups, you know, that go down under the feet the way the girls used to wear them. <laughs> oh, I just think things are coming to a pretty pass. I've often thought that that would be the name of a fine character in a fictional type piece of camp treatment. Pretty pass. I'm forever blowing bubbles, pretty bubbles in the air. It's in the current New Yorker, you That's all right, I'm not there. By the way, speaking of the current New Yorker, all of you sorehead types out there, in the current issue, which is uh April 3rd, 1965. It is 1965, isn't it? I'm a-knockin'. Yes, I'm a-knockin'. Rasmatans and a Rudy toot. I'm a-knockin'. Yes, I'm a-knockin'. This is the John Gambling night show coming your way. uh, On page 60, opposite page 62, I submit in evidence here uh, the current issue of The New Yorker, which just came out this week. Opposite page 62, there is the name of a fabric, I think. I don't know whether the... Name describes the fabric or the male model, who's looking very nervous, because there seems to be a lady in the immediate vicinity. Da, da. Oh, oh, woe oh, is me! Oh, I see, I see high atop the mountain. I see the three witches of Andor, Heeny, Meeny, and Mo. I see the three of them boiling up a witch's brew that will not stop. And incidentally, I suspect eventually will be obtainable both in the frozen and in the instant powdered form. For those of you who wish to spoon it in just the way it is. <laughs> it's like this current Mustang ad. Speaking of the flight from reality, it shows a girl leaving her white Mustang. And she has a long, flowing, diaphanous gown. And the caption reads, Life was just one diaper after another until Sarah got her new Mustang. Sarah's now having more fun, it says. Looks like Sarah's off in the evening there. It's not exactly going bowling, but uh, we'll be here. Don't you worry about us. You know, uh, since it is a Friday night and one has to concern oneself with the, well, you know, kind of a summing up. It's Friday, summing up. Tomorrow will be Saturday, and then it'll be Sunday, and then we'll start all over again. You have to sum up just a little bit and look back over the week and see just what kind of a week it was. What kind of a week was it, friends? Well, it was this kind of a week. Uh, We have here a clipping from uh, a Reading, Pennsylvania newspaper. And they have one of these uh, inquiring cameraman-type columns, you know? And the column says, What is your method of dealing with the tensions of everyday living? And it shows the lady there. And uh, her name is Ethel. We won't even use her last name. Just Ethel. Uh, Ethel, by the way, is a nurse. And how does Ethel deal with the tensions of everyday living? She says, "Well, I love animals, and uh, also as a hobby, I photograph fires in the city." <laughs> it is very good. Very good. That's <laughs> right, gang, that's that. of that. But uh, that reminds me of uh, other forms of uh, sadism, or do you prefer sadism, on a Friday night. I've uh, been uh, observing a very beautiful little column here the other day in the paper. It says that the TV producers are now turning off their television sets. It says they're finding it so much full of glop. And, you know, I think that uh, we have a tendency to separate our society from the things we create. I mean, you know what I mean. It's as though there is a thing called the TV industry, and it's separate and apart and somehow in opposition to, you know, just the slobs. Oh, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) We created it just like the Romans created their orgies. There wasn't an outfit that just, you know, produced orgies in Rome. It was the Romans who produced orgies in Rome. And uh, as they've often said, when you're in Rome... Well, got to look pretty hard when you're in Rome. Speaking of... (laughs) That's an enigmatic remark. Speaking of when you're in Rome, there's a current ad that says, uh, if I were a man, it shows this angry-looking lady, it says, if I were a man, I'd smoke white owl miniatures. And uh, there she is. And the sad thing about it is she is smoking a white owl miniature. So apparently there's only one conclusion we can draw from the... Ad, would you please hit the button there Um So we salute uh, tonight. The Whoopi Award of the Week goes to the lady of the White Owl ad. And, uh, for those of you who would like to, uh, try your hand at winning the Whoopi Award for next week, just walk around and be your simple little old self. Life will score big. Life will go all the way. Tee, tee, tee. Letters to the editor here in the TV Guide says, uh, I disagree with Mr. Ephron's caustic criticism. Not all soap operas are perfect, but they're very much like life itself. Signed, a soap opera fan. <laughs> well, there's a lot of stuff happens in our house. And, you know, Uncle Fred with amnesia and her daughter pregnant. And uh, Uncle Charlie, of course, has taken up the dope traffic and... Uh, Your cousin Myrtle has turned out to have a terrible love affair with that lady next door named Clara. And uh, Well, it's the way, have you seen soap operas lately, baby? (laughs) Not quite what they used to be. (laughs) They call them sexy, as you know, in the business today. (laughs) When in Rome, uh, George, uh, of course, uh, you've been trying to figure out what it is that the Romans are up to. You know the old slogan, when in Rome, do as the Romans do? Well, that's all right as long as you can tell what they're up to. It's, uh, for example, a little piece in the paper here recently comes out. It says, uh, it says, a psychologist sees hunger for holiness, Los Angeles. It says, a professor of psychology at Harvard has come up with the uh, answer, at least a new answer, to the age old question why do people drink? Uh, says Mr. McClellan, or Dr. McClellan, actually, uh, I believe that people drink because of a, quote, hunger for holiness. <laughs> Have you wondered where professors of psychology live their lives? <laughs> Have you ever told my Uncle Carl that he was squished to the ears every night because he was searching for holiness? Uncle Carl would pick up his banjo, and within 30 seconds, we would be going all the way. We salute all you searchers after holiness out there tonight, searching hard and long. Uh, He went on to say, the Harvard professor, giving a series of lectures at the University of Southern California, said that he had fed alcohol to... Human guinea pigs and found that they thought mostly about life, death, and eternity once they're under the influence of guess what? Quote Since it is religion that provides answers to such soul searching questions as life, death, and eternity, it is possible that's why many religions are against liquor, he said. They see it as a competitor. <laughs> Any good bartender could have told him that years ago, But whenever a guy gets four of them in his snout, he starts saying, what's it all about, Charlie? What's it all about? Where are we heading? Give me another a, a double this time. Maybe i What's it all about, I ask you? What's it all about? ba 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 Zout very good. Uh, Vout is the actual correct misuses of misusage of the word. Oh, by the way, speaking of uh, true real-life soap operas, this is W O R A M F E and FME, and uh, we're here in the friendly old New York, which is almost like real life. Uh, do you have the button there? All set with the button? Hold it. I'll give you the clue. Q, woo, whoopee. Uh, yes, friends, this is New York, which, if you sort of half close your eyes and squint a little bit, and uh, look at it through your eyelashes, sort of squint, you know, and look at it against the sun, it is almost, but not quite, but almost enough to fool you at times, almost like real life. Light up, but Kent, you've got a good thing going. Good taste. Real, real mild. Good tobaccos. Oh, so mellow. Vintage tobaccos, flavor blended to the peak of enjoyment, and the Kent Filter for extra good taste. Light up a Kent, you've got a good thing going. Kent is the one cigarette for everyone who smokes. Light up a Kent, you've got a good thing going. Light up a Kent. For real good taste, light up a Kent. You've got a good thing going, good tobaccos. The Kent filter for good taste going when you light up a Kent. A good thing going when you light up a Kent. Light up a Kent. Oh listen, uh, we we've hardly even uh, started in this uh, search for holiness through drink. Uh you know that that's something that has uh, has uh, been a kind of a thing that I've I've been a little bit fascinated about and by uh in the last couple of years. Have you noticed that no matter what it is, a guy, <laughs> good morning, Jim, that the hello there, Jack, it's all right. <laughs> That, no. <laughs> it's funny how officialdom uh, marches in your just testing what a horn uh, have you noticed that, uh, that no matter what it is today a guy is hung up on he uses it as an excuse for a search for holiness I have known guys on pot I have known guys on horse I have known guys on plain old Beef Eater Jim. I have known, no matter what it is, I've known guys on just, you know, who are hung on just being a bum. And when they're trapped and in the corner, they will quote uh, whoever it is who's up, and re, you know, writing the scene at the time. He'll say, well, I, I'm just looking for the truth. And there he is, Bob, the skull is reeling. Uh, I, I, wonder, I wonder why more people don't admit that they're just looking for kicks. Plain ordinary, K-I-X-X-X-X. Uh, uh, I, I've, there's a, a current thing uh, going on. Of course, it's a, this has been in Mailer's uh, work for a long time. That is a search for salvation through S-E. <laughs> you know, of course, this is getting to be pretty funny because there are so many ministers who aren't uh, ministering, or whatever it is that ministers do any longer. In fact, I know one minister who, uh, big deal here in town, he's constantly being interviewed on these lady shows, and he gave up ministering a long time ago. And what he does is produce plays. Uh, he produces plays in his little churchy. Uh, they're one after the other. And by the way, ironically enough, almost all of the little plays he produces in his churchy are anti-religious plays. Ha, <laughs> ha, <laughs> and and, uh, yeah, and, and, and I, I, I wonder just why er, er, more people today just don't admit what they're... You know, there's a, the, the word truth is, is used constantly today. It's a big deal. Uh, the word truth is, is used in novels. It's used in plays. And why don't guys admit it? Why don't guys really be truthful? Just once. I'd love to hear this minister say, well... Uh, I always wanted to be a play producer, and I never could make it and uh I wanted to go into theater and I couldn't do it and I figured the religion business about played out and I figured that's a good way to get uh you know i got a I got an auditorium there, you know I got the seats and I got a stage and um and I figured that uh I could bring the Word of God to those uh, who need the Word of God I could bring it to them through Arthur Miller funny uh, and also I could get myself a big rating uh, among the parishioners and uh, all the ladies from the, the little clubs out in the village and down in Darien would love to come and see my plays and, and, and after all if I was just a plain ordinary minister walking around mimisting uh, you wouldn't be interviewing me Arlene uh, <laughs> you know why don't people admit these things uh, why, why come up with the business of the search for holiness or search for salvation? Uh, I mean, why, why not admit that uh, you're chasing a check because you're chasing a check? You know, I mean, uh, I, I've uh, on all sides I see this. Uh, hardly anybody today buys a car because he just wants to buy a car. Uh, people have to rationalize fifty different ways why they should buy a car. For example, that ad that shows the lady. Uh, the lady Mustang buyer there, she's bought the Mustang and she no longer has to have any truck with uh, diapers. Now, I don't quite know how, she, how, the, how the Mustang is going to change the pants on her kid. But uh, ne- nevertheless, uh, uh, you know, why don't, why don't you just admit it? But this uh, this thing uh, is getting to be uh, one of the most fascinating examples of a kind of rationalization which is very special to our time. It's a very special thing in our day and age. Uh, you, you, you rarely find a guy, for example, admitting that he likes to demonstrate. Now It's fun to demonstrate. It really honestly is fun. Have you ever been in a demonstration? You know, people like to think that demonstrations are, are just terrible, that it's awful to be in a demonstration, that uh, somehow you're giving up. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I've been in a couple. And I can tell you, a demonstration is exciting and it's fun. And nobody has ever talked much about that side of a demonstration. Uh, and I wonder how many people are in demonstrations because they themselves are fun. I mean, on both sides. or oh, I'm not uh, of any given issue. And I'm not, I'm not arguing, uh, you know, any issue here. So don't immediately say, Shepard, are you saying all demonstrators are phonies? No. I am saying, however, that I'm curious how much fun we find in turmoil. And strife that has nothing whatsoever to do with the object that the turmoil and strife is purportedly about. I'm curious about that. Uh, oh, incidentally, uh, I will give you a a, a brass figleggy. You know, a couple of nights ago on uh, Gee, I think it was Wednesday night, we did a whole show about the whole phenomena of camp and the over uh, the over uh, uh, the homosexual overtones in camp. Uh, not overtones, it's uh, there it is. I mean it's a fact. It's a <laughs> it's a it's a thing. Well I will award you the brass figligy. Now don't call up, don't immediately call up. I will award you a, a brass figligi with bronze oak leaf palm, if you can tell me the name of a currently and it's getting more popular, a currently popular television show that is pure C A M P all the way with all the overtones and everything else. I'm I, I, one. One thing I'm fascinated about is the large number of kids that are attracted by the camp world. Large numbers. Now I, I will award you a brass figure if you can tell me the name of the show. And you know, speaking of that, I got a great letter from uh, somebody uh, if I can find it here. Who? Oh. Uh, this is from a Jersey high school teacher, and he said, uh, he, says, I, I, he says, in connection with your role reversal shows that you've been doing lately, he said, I've got a great bit of information to, to uh, hand out, pass along to you. He said, every year, our high school nominates the athlete of the year. He said, guess which sex won it this year. <laughs> and he says this is a big heterosexual high school with football teams, baseball teams, basketball teams, and the lot. And he said, "Guess which sex won it this year?" He, he says, <laughs> "He said, talk about role reversal." Now another another uh, oh, there's all kinds of little things happening in various schools of that. Uh, in in particularly over in Jersey, I find. It's happening with great uh, frequency. In fact, a guy, uh, another teacher wrote me a letter. He said, you know, one of the, uh, one of the little things that, that came in uh, over the past Christmas season, he said, was the fact that when they, when they were giving out the little gifts, you know, the gifts that kids give each other, where you draw the name out of the hat, and you, you have a little gift, and you, you can't spend more than a dollar for the gift, you know, in the class. He said that over a third of the girls in his class, gave perfume to the boys in the class. And he said the boys loved it. He said the boys absolutely ate it up. And he said, what do you think they gave to the girls? You wouldn't guess what they were giving to the girls. Well, they were giving to the girls harmonicas, kazoos, uh, footballs. <laughs> <laughs> he says, he's not kidding! He said, he says, As a matter of fact, three girls in his class got fielders mitts. From, from boys who were looking for good gifts. He says, because it so happens that three of the girls were top star uh, performers on the baseball team. He says, the boys in question got, uh, one guy got a knitting set, a couple of guys... <laughs> <laughs> These are comments from the teachers. Uh, one teacher said a great thing. Here, I've got, I've got the uh, the letter here. If I can find it again, it's a, it's. Uh, why did I leave all my stuff downstairs today? Uh, what the heck? Kind of a Freudian psychology bit was that? Uh, it's a, oh, it's a letter from a. Uh, I'll, I'll add a little bit. Oh yeah, here it is. Here it is. It's a letter from a a, a uh, Catholic. A brother who teaches in a uh, in a school where they uh, it's a very interesting school. and He teaches in a school over across the river, and he said every time that he suggests to his kids in his classes that they listen to me, he said he invariably gets uh, complaints. Uh, he said they're very softly worded, but they're definite complaints that come back. Three or four ladies send back notes. Why we wouldn't want Cedric, our Cedric. We wouldn't want Cedric to listen to that drivel, and he said, "I am just tempted to cut out a picture from the fashion section of the New York Times and send them a picture of their Cedric." <laughs> so he's sitting up there looking down and seeing the scene. You know, he's watching it happen. I think, I think uh, the the school teachers. Oh, I've got to uh, really. I must. I must say that I think the school teachers today sitting. As they do in front of a class of uh, various cross sections of our society today really are beginning to see what's going on far more than the parents at home uh, far more than people who just walk around the streets and scratch and uh, I would kind of like to have uh, 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 Stan Lomax interview the athlete of the year from <laughs> that big high school over there uh, they, you know speaking of uh, of the uh, of the wild great world that we're living in it. I can't help but be, you know, people constantly write letters to me and they say, well, they they, they, they think that I'm confused. Or they will say, well, well, why aren't you mad? I get letters from from people who say, Shepard, I've given up on you. you uh, you've let me down. Uh, with all the terrible things going on in the world today, how can you how can you be so light-hearted about it? Why aren't you out there marching and shooting off roman candles? Why aren't you storming the Bastille? And uh, I can only say to a thing like that that um, I, I am convinced that more and more people today are totally deficient in a sense of humor almost totally deficient. Now, I'm not talking about a sense of comedy. I'm talking about a sense of humor. Uh, And and all around us, we're faced with people who have risen to the top in their world. And the more you are without a sense of humor, the further you'll go. Now, I'm not talking about light-type comedy. I'm not talking about Johnny Carson. I'm talking about a sense of humor. Uh, And so, you see, the, the totally humorless people, Joan Baez does not have a smidgen of humor about her. Oh, absolutely not. She is as as deadly, uh, grimly, unhumorous as a rubber crutch in a strong windstorm. Uh, And now, of course, the answer would be, Yes, but with the world being what it is, how can a person maintain, what do you mean, humor? This is a time. Oh, come on. The world has always been in crisis. It has never once stopped being in crisis. Speaking of humorless people, poor old Norman Mailer. Have you ever had the feeling that, that Norman Mailer pours his stuff out of a lead mold, and it's a lead mold that's somehow uh, having trouble with uh, There's a kind of a gangrenous growth around the edges of it. Totally unhumorous. Uh, James Baldwin has no humor whatsoever. I, his his uh, his play and uh, no humor at all. Uh, I can go up and down both sides of the issue. Of course, uh, you never saw a funny Ku Klux Klaner, did you? Uh, not a bit of it. There's no such thing as a funny John Bircher. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and yet, strangely enough, both sides are extremely funny to me. Now, why is that? Why do I find Norman Mailer uh, side-splittingly funny? I, 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 I can't help it. Every time I see Mailer glaring out, Mailer the architect, Mailer the dreamer, Mailer the great man, Mailer the god... Uh, whenever I look <laughs> I, I, I find him excruciatingly funny, just as funny as I find some klutz that 's walking around with a bed sheet on the top of his head, wearing sunglasses and hitting twelve year old kids down in Birmingham, Alabama, which I find equally uh in equal parts sad and funny and i 'm not uh, condoning it nor laughing at it, but uh, there there it's it's it 's the world you know that we 're living in it 's the world of people, and it is funny uh yeah, here, for example, there's a, there's an outfit, and, and, and the, the humor sneaks out in crazy ways. There is an outfit that uh, that is now renting pop art portraits and stuff. You know, pop art uh, things. All right, it's renting. You can you can rent pop art now, just like in the days when they used to have art. You know, and you could rent that. And their their uh, organization is known as Pop Art Portraits, or P A P for short. I'll put those three little letters together, and what do you get? How about that for unconscious humor? (laughs) And and I'm sure that uh, if I say that on the air immediately, I'll get some angry uh, letters about that. But uh, you've you've just got to be serious today. You've, You've got to read this piece about the drunk searching for holiness. You've got to read that, and you've got to read it seriously. You just can't accept it Lightly, the way it should be. Have you noticed that Ben Casey, for example, has no humor at all? Ben Casey has never been known to laugh at anything. Uh, and, and this is part of our time. We, we always suspect, uh, speaking of the humorless, uh, the, the crusader is generally very humorless. Now, he assumes that, uh, Hantoff, now Nat Hantoff is a great example of the humorless crusader. Uh, the Village Voice is, um, uh, itself is one of the least funny newspapers I've ever read in my life. And yet, uh, standing back 20 or 30 feet from it, it is without a doubt the funniest newspaper that we have on the scene today. Uh, and I'm not so sure that it's funny in the way it wants to be funny. Uh, <laughs> these Speaking of the funny business here, do you have another one in there, Don? Uh, uh, these things unconsciously are often the funniest thing in an entire program of, of, of a week's work. Hit it. Miller Highlight, the bright, clear taste in beer. Miller Highlight, the champagne of bottled beer. There's only one champagne of bottled beer sparkling, flavorful, distinctive. Miller Highlight. Only in Milwaukee from a century-old recipe, Miller High Life has a rich heritage and tradition. A bright, clear taste, unequaled, unquestioned, unchanging. Available on tap, in cans, and in the familiar crystal-clear bottle. Miller High Life is always sparkling, flavorful, distinctive. Enjoy Miller High Life yourself. Miller High Life, the champagne of bottled beer. Yes, Miller High Life, the champagne of bottled beer. You know, that reminds me of pop art, of course, is dead now. Uh, it's it's had its day. It was a very quick one, but it's had its day. But I wonder when pop art, I wondered when pop art was going, when it was in, in business, really swinging, why... And, I, and I'm sure that psychologists would have a great deal to say about this, and if I were doing a, a serious type show, even if this is Friday night, I would have had my own little say about it. But have you noticed that almost all the pop art paintings that dealt with comic strips dealt with two types of people in the comic strips? They dealt with Superman, which is to say, Mandrake the Magician, uh, Lothar, uh, Superman himself... Uh, When I say Superman, I mean it in small type, not big type Superman. They dealt with a Superman type of character. And on the other hand, they dealt with the female of the cartoon strip. Now, usually they were the females taken from the Superman type cartoon strip. Now, uh, why, for example, was there not a pop artist who did Pete the Tramp? You notice that? There was no super, no there was no comic strip artist who did say uh, uh, Blondie that I know of. Maybe they did. I didn't see it. They certainly did not do Jigs. These are classic comic strips. They did not do, uh, as far as I know, I I didn't see anybody that did uh, Mac McDougal from uh, Tilly the Toiler, nor did Tilly. I don't think Tilly got into it either. Now, now I, I wonder whether or not it is because those comic strips had an implied humor. I'm curious, maybe because the, the comic strips that had humor involved in them, the hu- actual humor, that they, they did not fit the pop art mold. In short, Popeye did not show up, as far as I know, in any pop artist's work. That they were all little boys. I think most of the pop artists were little boys who dreamed. They were dreamers of Superman types, avenging types. You know, boom, pow, going out and hitting guys. They were not truly dealing with pop art. They were dealing with pop revenge or pop avengers. And nothing whatsoever to do with pop art. Because I suspect that more people over the years have read, say, Popeye than ever read Mandrake the Magician because the strip was around a lot longer and was in a lot more papers. Uh, (laughs) This is just a a, a passing uh, observation on the pop art scene that I have never heard anybody talk about. The subjects that they picked. They didn't really pick many comic strips. They picked almost always the same ones. Clark Kent. They had a lot of Clark Kent. Uh, They had uh, a lot of stuff like... uh, I didn't see much uh, Little Orphan Annie even. I did not see, um, I'm sure that a few guys did it, but the big popular ones, the guys who really got to the top, all worked in the avenging little boy dreaming big things school of uh, comic strip. I did not see Bunky. I did not see Fagin, uses a viper Fagan. I did not see Barney Gogol. I did not see Snuffy Smith. <laughs> and, and, and I'm beginning to believe that, that this is a humorless movement in art. Totally humorless. And and incidentally speaking of humorless, we've gone one step further now, and I think that the op art is even less humor. Uh, there's no humor at all in op art. It is all pure geometrics in the yard wide. Uh, that, that more and more we're, we're dealing, we're, we're killing humor in our world. Uh, I have read, I, I, I'm an old New Yorker reader, and the New Yorker has become one of the least humorous magazines in our world and yet years ago it was a, it was a magazine that was filled with it and I'm not being nostalgic at all about it it is a fact that the reviewers were uh, had a sense of humor years ago and when, when I first started to read the magazine when I was in high school there were, all the reviewers were funny uh not only the reviewers but the the, the people who wrote uh for the magazine it had a sense of humor. What little humor does appear in The New Yorker now today is usually of a bitter, sardonic type of humor. It's not really humor at all. It's a kind of nihilism. Uh, and then, on the other hand, talk, talking about humor, uh, I've, I've, I've uh, watched uh, movies become less and less uh, full of humor. Uh, many uh, Many an actor today could not make it because of the implied humor in his performing. Have you noticed? Uh, you've, you've never seen anybody as deadly serious as an Anthony Perkins. Uh, deadly grim as a Montgomery Cliff. These are grim people. I mean, they really are. Uh, <laughs> there's no humor in any of these guys. Uh, you certainly aren't going to find any humor in a John Wayne. He's a totally humorless type. He's, a, he's strictly an American Legion, hit him in the face type guy. and you know, that kind of thing. Uh, there's no humor at all in any of these people. And yet, when you watch the old movies, you, there is a look in the eye of many of these guys of the previous movies that implied not only a comment on movies, but implied a comment even on the roles they were playing and the role they played in life. For example, I believe that Humphrey Bogart could not make it today. If Bogart were to come up today, he would not make it. Uh, Clark Gable obviously wouldn't make it today. Everything Gable did, there was a look in the eye. You know that, Don? There was a funny little look in the eye, like, oh, yeah, (laughs) oh, yeah. Uh, Just a look in the eye. He was putting on the chicks that he was involved in the scene with. They were putting him on, and it was a look in the eye. Spencer Tracy had that look in the eye. I'm talking about serious actors. They all had that that great look in the eye. Uh, Vincent Price had this great, uh, what is it, Uh, Charles Lawton, the, the look in the eye. And I'm not talking about the people who are the obvious slapstick types. Peter Sellers to me is not a funny man, particularly. I don't. I find him time to time. But maybe humor has survived in other countries. Could that be that humor still exists in England? Uh, we we I, have you ever really laughed at Jerry Lewis? Any of you out there? <laughs> I mean seriously. <laughs> hey, listen, we got a couple of commercials we better do here. One of them is Peugeot, and. Uh, for those of you, and I, and I couldn't uh, stress it too strongly, please, if you are planning to buy a car this summer or this spring, before you do it, I don't care what car you've decided on buying, I don't care what car you're hung on, or what you think you are. You know, so many guys think, uh, I'm a uh, mobile 8-man, and year after year they buy the same car. Uh, no matter what type of car you're interested in, look up and investigate the French Peugeot which is an excellent automobile. In fact, one of the seven top cars in the world. It sells for an exceedingly reasonable price. I think you'll find the prices are amazing on these Peugeots. It's a beautiful car and magnificently well made. And if you would like to get Peugeot information, just, you know, send pictures and color pictures and so on of the car so that you're not going to be embarrassed by going into a showroom, send your name and address to Peugeot in care of me, Cary Grant. Peugeot, W-O-R, New York, New York. And you can spell it P-O-O-J-O-E, Peugeot. Uh, after you get your car, you can read it off the, uh, the little uh, insignia there and find out how it's actually spelled. And incidentally, their dealer is at, uh, here in Manhattan, right in midtown, is at 2 East 46th Street, right off of 5th Avenue. 2 East 46th, right in the heart of the fantastic rent department of New York. That's the Peugeot. With a sliding roof panel, you know. One time, I I, when I had my Peugeot, I owned a Peugeot for over five years, and I drove over seventy-five miles on the Jersey Turnpike with the top slid back, standing and steering with my feet. Oh yeah, I'm 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 one of the earliest pop art types. Playing, I was playing a a French tank commander. Uh, While we're on the subject of, well, have another thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Tomorrow night we'll be at the limelight. Uh, For those of you who uh, are feeding the itch and have to get out in spring and all that stuff. We'll be at the limelight tomorrow night, beginning at 5 minutes past 10. Now, if you want to come down, I suggest you get down around 9.30. Don't come any later, because they start closing out the uh, reservations at that time. It's the limelight, which is on 7th Avenue South. It's right in the heart of Sheridan Square, right in the heart of the Whoopi Belt here of New York City. And all you have to do is take 7th Avenue, come straight on down past south of 14th Street, a couple of blocks, and you'll be right in the middle. This is the limelight. And for those of you who can't come, we'll be on the air at 5 minutes past 10. Oh, one more thing, too. Uh, I've been asked to remind you that the Limelight record, we, we, we finally made a record of uh, what we consider some of the best things we've ever done on the Limelight show, is now out and available on a record. And it's called Gene Shepard, Moderately Live at the Limelight. Uh, and it's on a label called Quote. And guess who they're quoting? It's a Gene Shepherd live at the limelight, and you'll find these records around. I saw one of them in a in a village uh, record shop window. We made it there along with the harmonica players and the jug blowers and the other cultural artifacts of our time, uh, friend. And speaking of, uh, by Georgia, I I keep forgetting. I I keep forgetting that um, that if if there's anybody who knows how to keep its knees loose, it's a member of the audience. Now, friends, you should be telling me to keep my knees loose rather than me telling you to keep your knees loose. What with, uh, you know, it's terrible to be out there in, in radio land. I understand that. Uh, in fact, I have terrible dreams. I wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and, and I stare up at the ceiling in a cold sweat and I feel that I have been uh, banished from studio land. and I'm out there wandering around chewing my cud Along with all the other victims, uh, so uh, <laughs> keep your knees loose, friends, and uh, keep your eyes open. And uh, I think tonight we'll dedicate the show to the athlete of the year over there in that little New Jersey high school. Uh, the athlete of the year this year was named Mabel, in case you're interested. And who knows what the athlete of 1966 is going to be known as until finally, well, of course, uh, you know, pick pick 'em up, lay 'em down. Do the best you can. Oh, by the way, over the weekend, uh, for your own peace of mind, kick somebody. Yeah, you know, well, make sure he's smaller and easily kickable, but uh, do wonders for your psyche friends. <laughs> Keep your teeth sharp, too. Don't, don't stop